Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Friday, June 2nd, 2023. It's been 3,383 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 464 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Second, we maintain that the continued incursions into Bilgrod, now stretching along 187 kilometers of border, is meant to force the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, to move military assets out of Ukraine to secure the region. Third, current weather models indicate soil conditions will become favorable for large-scale military operations by June 5th. Fourth, We've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Fifth, the decreasing number of attacks and increased use of artillery indicates that Russian forces are in a defensive posture and waiting for Ukraine to launch its offensive. Sixth, anger and frustration among Russian state media, propagandists, mill bloggers, and residents of the oblasts that border Ukraine continues to expand due to the Kremlin's inability to secure Russia's borders and airspace, with open discussions on replacing Russian President Vladimir Putin on state media. Seventh, we maintain that Russian Chief of Staff Valery Gerasimov and Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian MOD due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and straight-up refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. And finally, we maintain that the less-than-acceptable performance of Russian air defenses in Moscow puts unpopular general of the army, Sergei Sorovikin, at risk of dismissal. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, Ukrainian sources reported continued fighting on the western edge of Masyutivka, with no change in the situation. 
The Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage, or DRG units, continued to operate in the area of Sinkivka, as well as in the area of Orlyanska in the Kupiansk operational area. Kharkiv Oblast administrative and military governor Ole Sinyubov reported that Vovchansk, located five kilometers south of the Russian border, was heavily shelled. Potentially in response to heavy fighting south of Shebikino when Russian partisans crossed the border on June 1st. The city of Kharkiv was hit by two S 300 anti aircraft missiles used for a ground attack, striking the industrial district. One person was wounded in the attack. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson Colonel Serhii Cherevati said that Russian forces fired 522 artillery rounds, mortars, rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, carried out 23 airstrikes from Dvorichna to Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational area, The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and Russian mercenary mill blogger War Gonzo reported that Russian forces continued to attack Novoselivsky and Stelmachivka without success. Our skepticism over random Russian MOD reports of Ukrainian DRG activity across Luhansk may have been misplaced. Over the last two weeks, we had shared the Russian MOD morning report alleging Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Reykhorovka, and that appears to have been true. Although the claims made by the Russian MOD of glorious victory and hundreds of Ukrainian casualties, not so much. A geolocated video showed that Ukrainian forces had liberated the hamlet of Serhiyevka, which is now under the control of the regional police indicating that Russian troops have been pushed across the Zhedebets River. Ukrainian policy is not to announce the liberation of a settlement until it reaches the level of civilian control, indicating Russia's hold on Rajhorodka is tenuous at best. In the Kremina operational area, the Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian DRG units were active in the area of Kremina, but didn't provide any more specifics. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces continued their attacks on Bilohorivka, the same one as before, supported by Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS. The attacks were unsuccessful. In occupied Luhansk, the self-declared acting leader of the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Leonid Pasechnik, signed a decree liquidating the LNR Ministry of Foreign Affairs effective immediately and dismissing the foreign minister. The LNR has ended all international connections and has become an unrecognized part of the Russian Federation by decree. The LNR Joint Center for Command and Control, or JCCC, also reported that occupied Mikhailivka was attacked by rockets fired by HIMARS, with no other information available at the time of recording. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, The GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to advance further into Spirne from the gas compressor plant, suffered losses, as they do, and returned to their defensive positions. In the Solidar operational area, Russian forces attempted to widen their salient with another attack in the direction of Orihovo-Vasilivka and were unsuccessful. 
Ukrainian forces have been targeting the Russian E-40 highway ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, with kamikaze drones and drone-directed artillery, and hold fire control over the highway west of Zaleznyansk, creating a challenging environment to maintain logistics and support the Russian forces in the Orihovo-Vasilivka salient. In the Klishivka operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces attacked in the direction of Milohora and were unsuccessful, indicating that fighting for the crossing of the Siversky-Donetsk-Donbass Canal continues. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, Ukrainian source Deep State reported that the 1st Army Corps continued its attempts to expand its bridgehead toward Avdiivka from Kamyanka with no change in the situation. Russian forces also renewed attempts to advance on Pervomaiske from the south, while still under Ukrainian fire control in three directions. Unsurprisingly, the unit suffered heavy losses and fell back to its defensive positions. In the Marinka operational area, the Russian MOD reported that the 5th Motor Rifle Brigade of the 1st Army Corps and the Chechen Akhmat 54th Motor Rifle Brigade, supported by the Russian VKS, continued their attacks on Marinka. Multiple Ukrainian sources reported no change in the situation, and the Russian MOD did not report an advance, with Russian mercenary mill blogger War Gonzo reporting Russian troops, quote, tried to advance. While several sources reported an advance by Russian forces north of Marinka, we've had that area coded as contested since November 2022. Based on visual evidence, we moved the line of conflict 150 meters east north of the destroyed city. Based on visual evidence, we moved the line of conflict 150 meters east north of the destroyed city. Chechen Akhmat claimed they were under direct orders from Russian President Vladimir Putin, the supreme commander-in-chief, to capture Marinka. Multiple Russian mill bloggers, private military company or PMC Wagner Group, and our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, failed Mobik, and unrepentant troll, Igor Strelkov-Girkin, derided the statement. Girkin said, quote, Yes, the supreme commander-in-chief sets modest tasks. In the normal armed forces, the task to liberate a settlement of this size should be set at most by the commander-in-chief. That would be Valeri Garasimov. But now, after 15 months of fighting for the village, I'm sure they will make every effort. As for taking it, so far this is written with a stick in the mud. End quote. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 106 fire missions on Free Kherson, three drone attacks and two airstrikes, targeting 22 settlements along the line of conflict, killing one civilian. The deputy ambassador of France to the United Nations, Natalie Bronthurst, reported that Russian forces prevented the planned rotation of International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, monitors at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant just two days after IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi outlined a five-part plan that Russia and Ukraine reportedly agreed to. Addressing the UN Security Council, Bronthurst said, quote, 
Russia is solely responsible for this situation. And as we know, it was Russia that seized the station by force, concentrating armed forces and military equipment on the spot. The mining of the adjacent territory and the consolidation of military positions on the territory of the power plant are unacceptable. End quote. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Ukrainian Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that 10 vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol, including two frigates and two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching up to 24 caliber cruise missiles in total. In occupied Crimea, insurgents are reporting that the Ivan Khurs, which has not left its berth in Sevastopol, is listing to starboard but are quick to point out that this could be caused by many issues beyond the hull being pierced below the waterline. The same report indicated that the crew was, quote, scared during the attack, but no injuries were reported. Our point of contact confirmed the report that Ivan Kurs suffered some damage, and an assessment is ongoing. Yes, we have seen the pictures of the cracks in the outer concrete surface of recently repaired pillars on the Crimean Bridge, but we have doubts that the pictures are fully authentic and they appear to have been enhanced. We haven't reached a firm conclusion and we're still reviewing. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 81 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 381 artillery rounds, mortars, RAD and Smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs with the city of Kherson targeted nine times and hit by 38 munitions, wounding 16 people. Multiple Fab 500 SE UPMK glide bombs hit the Music Academy in Odradokamyanka, completely destroying the building. Russian forces also dropped multiple glide bombs on a bread factory in Berislav, heavily damaging the facility and its delivery vehicle fleet. Two people were wounded in the attack. In occupied Kherson, a glide bomb fell off a Russian aircraft over Novokokhovka, striking the area of Karl Marx Street, leveling homes and badly damaging a school. At least one person was killed in the incident. In north and northeast Ukraine, Russia continued its unrelenting missile and drone attacks on Kyiv, launching 15 KH-101 KH-555 cruise missiles from six Tu-95MS strategic bombers from the Caspian Sea and 21 Shahed-136 kamikaze drones. Ukrainian air defenses achieved 100% success, downing all of the missiles and drones. Falling debris wounded two people, with one person requiring hospitalization. The attack caused minor damage to three homes and fires in two more. This is now the 19th air raid on Ukraine's capital since May 1st. In the early morning on June 1st, civilians went to the designated bomb shelter in the Desnyansky district and found it locked. The security guard at the facility, which was described both as a hospital and an outpatient pediatric clinic, was reportedly awake and sober, but would not open the doors. While waiting for someone to take action, debris from a downed missile struck the area near the entrance, killing three people, including the mother of a nine-year-old girl. When the sun rose, her grieving husband sat by her covered body in a chair as the investigation into why the facility was locked continued. The nine-year-old, who had been standing with her mother at the time of the strike, survived. 
Ukrainian officials have arrested four people. The first deputy of the Desnyansky Region State Administration, the medical facility director, his deputy, and the security guard. The three detained officials were served with a notice of suspicion of gross negligence that caused grave consequences, and the security guard is being charged with endangerment resulting in deaths. Attending the 2023 European Summit in Moldova, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, when asked about the incident, told reporters, quote, Everyone will be responsible. The reaction will be firm. Russia as the enemy is not enough for us. We have internal enemies as well. I would say, there are many journalists here, I would say there is a word. It is on the tip of my tongue, but I can't say it. End quote. He left the podium, then paused and added, quote, I would say this. There may be a knockout. End quote. President Zelensky seemed to imply that former boxing champion and Kyiv mayor Vitaly Klitschko was at risk of being dismissed. The two have clashed over local and national responses to civil defense within Kyiv over the last year. In Sumy, Russian forces conducted 15 fire missions, firing over 100 artillery rounds and mortars. The Krasnopil Romada was hit 40 times, damaging five homes and three buildings. In Seredina Buda, mortar shelling damaged two homes and a summer kitchen. There were no injuries reported. Quick sidebar, a summer kitchen is an outdoor kitchen, typically adjacent to a dacha, which is a small summer home, where traditionally people would come to plant their own crops. On the Russian front, as of the time of recording, the Free Russia Legion, or FPL, and the Russian Volunteer Corps, or PVK, continued to fight in Novaya Tavolzhanka, southwest of Shibikino. On June 1st, heavy fighting extended from the Russia-Ukraine border to the southern edge of Shibikino. The FPL released a video showing a 2S4 Tulpan 240mm self-propelled mortar with its support vehicle destroyed by drone-directed artillery. The Monocrystal plant, one of the largest producers of synthetic sapphire for high-tech electronics and optics, including night vision goggles and gun sights, was heavily damaged by grad rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS. A picture taken by drone showed the factory was shrouded in thick black smoke. Artillery hit a five-story building adjacent to the main administration building on Lenin Street, with the administrative building reportedly heavily damaged. Russian sources claimed that a TOS-1 MLRS Sotsepek was used to fire on the Russian partisans within Shibikino. Russian state media journalists in Bilgorod accused the Russian Information Agency, or RIA, of attempting to cover up the cross-border incursion by intentionally misspelling Shibikino and deleting comments on news stories. Local residents derided a report and video from Izvestia that reinforcements had arrived, claiming the only thing provided was a, quote, rusty tank and a couple of infantry fighting vehicles, or IFVs. Moscow shifted gears after trying to bury the story, reporting that units with the Western Military District were responding. But most of those forces are in Ukraine. Mayor Valentin Demidov of Shebikino reported that over 2,600 residents fled and are in three temporary assistance points, with officials appealing for more space and asking for donations to meet the most basic needs, including food, bedding and mattresses, personal care items, and cooks. 
Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov told reporters that Russian President Vladimir Putin, quote, constantly receives reports from the Ministry of Defense, the Border Service, the FSB, the Ministry of Emergency Situations, and from regional authorities in connection with the situation around Shibikino, end quote. Appearing on Russian state media, ultranationalist, white supremacist, 21st century Rasputin and Putin's brain, as it were, Alexander Dugin, couldn't even pronounce Shibikino. No, seriously, he said, and I'm not exaggerating here, he said, Shabakana. Residents panic-bought gasoline and diesel, creating shortages at some gas stations, particularly along the border. Where gas could be found, purchases were limited to 10 liters. Despite pictures and complaints readily available on social media, Deputy Governor Dmitry Glonsky denied the reports, declaring there was no problem with fuel reserves. While that is almost certainly a factual statement, the challenge isn't the reserves, rather maintaining a supply that is available to consumers. Deputy leader of the Russian National Security Council, Dmitry Medvedev, purveyor of empty threats, declared, quote, This is an act of terrorism, and one can respond to it in one way. Any state does not negotiate with terrorists. Terrorists must be destroyed. End quote. Quick sidebar. I'm not sure if this is gaslighting or an incredible lack of self-awareness. In the Kursk region, a Ukrainian drone dropped an IED on a 35-kilovolt transformer in Gogolivka, knocking out power in the Sudzhansky district. Officials in the city of Kursk claim up to five drones were intercepted by air defenses. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Mateusz Morawiecki, Prime Minister of Poland, has said his country will help Ukraine train F-16 fighter jet pilots. Global Military Products Incorporated of Tampa, Florida, has been awarded a $118 million fixed-price contract to purchase and supply up to 60 Gepard 35mm self-propelled anti-aircraft systems from Jordan. The restoration work will be performed in Amman, Jordan, with a target completion date of May 30, 2024. The Gepards, which have been highly effective against Shahed-136 drones and subsonic cruise missiles, will then be provided to Ukraine. Bloomberg reported the United States Department of Defense, or DOD, has agreed to purchase Starlink communication systems for Ukraine from SpaceX and ensure their operation. It was not clarified if the speed limits and geofencing restrictions that SpaceX has imposed on Ukraine would apply to these systems as well. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.